Hello and welcome to Stig Abel's Guide to Reading, a podcast in which I talk about books that mean something to me and a very special guest. It's being made in conjunction with my own book, Things I Learned on the 628, which is out in November 2020, an account of the year I spent reading books on my commute and came up with various theories about different types of literature from crime fiction to American classics from Shakespeare to poetry. And this week we will indeed be talking about poetry, which Thomas Hardy defined as emotion put into measure. And in my book, I talk about Rumi, William Blake, Byron, and Emily Dickinson, among others. And my special guest this week is a very fine poet and poetic performer, Holly McNish, who's both written and recorded critically acclaimed verse. She also has co-written a play, which I saw back in 2017, called Offside, telling the rather neglected history of women's football in England. Holly, hello. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for for doing this. Now, we're going to talk about particular books or poets or poems that we we love uh, over the course uh, of the podcast. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about how important you think poetry is. Because I was thinking there's the National Poetry Day, there's an International Poetry Month, but is that kind of protesting too much? Do you, how, how important is poetry to people's lives, do you reckon? I don't think that's protesting too much. Uh, obviously, I might be a bit um, biased yeah. <laughs> on this, but I think poetry is... I mean, I wouldn't put it higher than other art forms, to be honest. I'm not a sort of, you know, poetry fundamentalist. <laughs> but... Um, I think it's one of the things that's used most often in places where other art sometimes isn't used. And I know people always talk about weddings or funerals or sort of times of crisis, I guess. But I do think, especially at the moment, I've noticed how people have been sharing poetry a lot um, for that reason at the moment, to feel sort of less alone or close to other people or... Or writing as well. I think we sort of forget about that as well. People read poetry, I think, a lot of the time in times of need. Yeah. Um, but also writing, whether the poems, you know, I'm not talking about whether the poem's an exceptional poem or not, but just just the the art of writing. I think having worked with a lot of young people and done sort of taught some art on courses and things like that, the reason people come on courses and want to write is also quite amazing. Yeah, I once went to a thing where I went to, a, it was like a pub, in North London and it was just a bunch of people who met there every week and they wrote their poems over the week and they read them to each other I had to write a poem for it so I wrote and I wrote a sonnet about my baby who'd just been born oh lovely uh, but it was terrifying because you sort of sit, you sit in the <laughs> room by the back of a pub and you read this poem and they, they're utterly silent uh, <laughs> uh, and then they kind of talk about it with you there and you're like what what if they hate this, I mean, no, I think it'd be pretty r- cruel to say how much they hate it, but it was, it's very personal, <laughs> isn't it? When, I mean, do you find this with your poetry? Because you, your poetry is often performed. Yeah. Do you, do you have to have a thick skin to think? Because it's a very personal thing, writing a poem at one level. It's really personal. And I think it's really intimidating sharing it as well, which I guess the, the first few times I shared it was in a really nice place. And I was in my 20s. I never really shared stuff when I was younger. Um and it was at the Poetry Cafe in London that I remember I went and um, everyone was very nice and it was not the sort of, you know, sort of 20 person in a basement audience where people would have heckled you or anything. Yeah. But I think it's really intimidating. I think that's why I don't, um, not that I don't like them, but there's a lot of poetry slams, um, which is like a sort of poetic competition. And although I think they can be quite exciting, I've only done about three of them in my life and I find them... I get asked to judge them quite a lot and I often say no now because I hate the idea of somebody standing up 
reading a poem, you know, possibly for the first time, spilling the heart out, possibly, or, you know, writing about whatever, but sometimes really spilling the heart out. And then you sort of have to stand up and give a a number between one <laughs> between yeah. one to ten. Yeah. And I don't I don't I don't really um appreciate that format a lot because I think yeah it is really intimidating. Yeah, you you said you did that in, in the twenties. Can you remember the first time when you were younger than that when what poems or poets drew you in at the beginning that, that sort of seemed to speak to you? Yeah, so it was it was comedy, I think, in poetry that drew me in, first of all, when I was a kid. Um, I had a little set of books that I've still got and they were little tiny books so they were quite sort of um, exciting to have anyway but I had them by my bed and there was a poem called Pie in the Sky by Roger McGough Um, and I remember that was the first poem that was kind of abstract but that I liked Um, and my mum got me one I had one, one poetry anthology which is it's got about 100 pages but I think I only really liked about 10 of the poems in it because they're really sort of heavily marked by my uh, fingers and sort of ripped a bit and I think I read read them again and they were they were like funny rude kids poetry was what I liked I would like to say that I was you know a very deep young thinking young person but uh, I don't think I was really I just liked to laugh and I loved the collection Please Mrs Butler that was my favourite what's that one? Oh, it's Alan Al. Alberg, oh, I, I think. love him. I really I'm... hope I didn't get that wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I, I remember the titles more than the authors, which is terrible. But it's called Please, Mrs. Butler, and it was just a collection of poems all about school. And um, a teacher, there's one called Scissors, about nobody leaves the room, everyone listened to me. We had 10 pairs of scissors, and now there's only three. I and it's about that, how, that, how. <laughs> yeah, I love I love it. And Please, Mrs. Butler, about this very moany kid just being like, this boy's Eric Joe keeps copying my work. What will I do? And it's about the teacher getting more and more aggravated and I loved that as a kid seeing into somebody else's mind like seeing into a teacher's point of view which I'd never really thought of before so it was yeah it was all it was all the funny stuff that I really liked which I think is why I write a lot in rhyme and with a similar sort of rhythm because that was where I got a first kind of inspiration from I'm trying to get out of it now <laughs> you know funny because I, I read a bit of Byron this uh when I in for my book and it, oh, yeah. a lot of things it reminded me of was Roald Dahl's revolting rhymes because <laughs> that kind of very punchy rhyme scheme where uh, it's what's it called feminine rhyme where it's sort of multiple syllable rhymes it's really clever where they just turn a rhyme at the end that makes you yeah. laugh uh, and I think that's true of, of poets writing for children because they're they're almost they're almost little gags turned every every couple of lines aren't they yeah, they are all using, you know, using rhyme and then not rhyming at the end or yeah. or obviously having a rhyme which, you know, rhymes with a swear word or something and then actually you don't use the rhyme by the end. My daughter still loves stuff like that. Yeah. But like I get into, I was in a panel once talking about rhyme and I think I was the only poet that, that used it because I think it's quite frowned upon as you get, as you get older. Um, and weirdly, if I'm teaching poetry, I do try to discourage people from rhyming really why (laughs) just because I love it and I'm sort of trying to get out of constantly rhyming I don't know if I've written many poems that don't have some sort of rhyme scheme in them because basically because it limits vocabulary a lot of the time and and often when I'm when I'm teaching especially with not younger kids but sort of teenage years they'll assume that poetry has to rhyme and then they'll just limit themselves and they'll, instead of sort of thinking about what they really want to write about, it'll be they'll write one line and then they'll yeah. just think of the word that rhymes with it and they'll go 
they'll base their ideas just on on a word that rhymes. And there's not that many words that rhyme with other words, like in terms of full rhyme. Yeah. So you're sort of limiting yourself. Um. But yeah, so I'm I'm trying to practice, but I, I actually find it quite hard. I've been the book I was going to talk about, Kate Clanchy's book. There's a bit in there about when you're starting try try not to rhyme, not because rhyme is bad, but just just try not to do it at first. And but I find it very difficult not to. But when it's done well, I mean, Byron, this this Don Juan book. Let me read a couple because I've got a couple here of the, of the couplets. It sounds like Roald Dahl to me a bit. Yeah. So he goes, "What men call gallantry and God's adultery is much more common when the climate's sultry." Which is just a gag, really, isn't it? And then, yeah, it's just a gag. And there's another one. If you think it was philosophy that this did, I can't help thinking puberty assisted. <laughs> Do you know, you're sort of making me feel like I'm going back on my words now. Yeah. I think I've been made by the establishment to think that I shouldn't rhyme, but I do actually love it when I hear it. Well, I've got one more because this sounds exactly like Roald Dahl. So, Juan Spaniel, spite of his entreating, was killed and portioned out for present eating. <laughs> It's like the pistol in their knickers. That is the one I remember from the Roald Dahl's revolting rhymes. Exactly right. Is it Cinderella? Is it Cinderella with a pistol in her knickers? I thought it was Red Riding Hood. It's Red Riding Hood. No, it's, it's Red Riding You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, Alan Olber, by the way, wrote my favourite children's book, uh, young children's book ever. He wrote it with his, Janet Olberg, his wife. Um, anyway, they're a yeah. couple of the writers. Cops and Robbers. Did you ever read that one? No, I've not read it. Uh, it's basically about uh, Christmas Eve when uh, the robbers of London town are, are wandering around stealing things and the coppers arrest them. But at the end of every page, there's a little chorus where it says, ho, ho for the robbers, the cops and the robbers, ho, ho. And when you read it with a little child, and my little one is two, and she oh. gets, and so you sort of say, ho, ho for the robbers, and she'll say, uh, for the cops and the robbers, ho, ho, every time. And she just, it becomes this rhythm that, that yeah. she, she loves. And he, he's great at that, I think, uh, Alan Albug. I think the, uh, this is awful that I've forgotten her name. That's so ridiculous. But the woman that wrote The Gruffalo and many of Oh, Julia Donaldson. Julia Donaldson, I think, is amazing with that as well. And I find it funny that a lot of... There's sort of children's poetry books and then there's children's books like The Gruffalo or Room on a Broom, which are poems, but they're not they're not sort of classified as poetry yeah. books, I guess, because it's like one long poem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I find that a bit weird because my, my daughter always says, oh, I don't don't know if I really like poetry books because she doesn't like picking up a whole book with just poems. They often don't have as many pictures and stuff in them yeah, for younger right. kids. But then and I'm sort of saying, well, actually, every single book you're reading at the moment is like a long poem. Yeah. So I don't don't know where the distinction is. Really. Yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, you mentioned Kate Clanchy. So the book you've chosen is, is by a teacher. I mean, Kate Clanchy is a brilliant teacher. And it's called How to Grow Your Own Poem. Yeah. Why, why have you chosen that book? Why, why does that matter to you? It matters to me because I think it's one of the most giving books about poetry and with poetry in it. So Kate Clanchy is a teacher, but she's also a poet and a writer. Like She's written a novel, she's written lots of poetry books. And I think she's an amazing writer, but she also seems to really care about sort of sharing the art form. And I think sometimes in poetry especially, it can be the opposite. It's seen as quite a closed art form, yeah. Um, which I think is a shame and a bit odd because I think of all the types of writing, actually, loads of people sit and write poetry and get a lot from it. And um, also because I love a poetry anthology. So I think I buy more poetry anthologies than just poetry collections from individual poets. I love them. I love all the sort of stay in the life, stay in human ones by Blood Axe. Yeah. Um, in particular, I think they're brilliant. And this book, it's it's sort of like a like how to get into poetry and how to write a poem. But I just she didn't 
called it How to Grow a Poem, which I think is very clever, but it's got the poetry in it that she uses for the sort of exercises that she gets people to do about poetry. So it is like an anthology of some of my favourite and what I think are some of the best poems in the world in it from what I've read. But then she has poems that are written by the young people and teenagers that she's worked with in it. And then she has her sort of way of teaching loads. There's just so much in it. I think it's the honestly the best book I've read about how to write poetry. And I think sometimes poetry compared to other things, I see sort of some people that I meet sort of call themselves a poet as if it's like a philosophy, yeah. you know, like an artist sort of thing, and <laughs> which I find quite hard to handle as if it's sort of more of a calling and doesn't take any practice. And then there's other people that see it as just a very learned like a very learned art form. I think it makes people quite angry. <laughs> Poetry, the sort of definition of it. Yeah. Um, and we seem to get our knickers in quite a twist about how to define it and what it is. And I remember si- Simon Armitage heard him say the difference between poetry and prose is how it's laid out on the page, yeah. um, which I thought was quite interesting. And there's loads of different things. So I just love the fact that she's got so many examples of poetry and that she says it's for people to... Well, she she says she believes poetry is like singing or dancing and the best way to learn is to follow someone else. And I always think that if you want to get better at, you know, poetry, write, but also read as much poetry as you can, really. Just just read lots of poetry. And I just think it's got everything in in the book. And it's help, helping me, you know, it's, it seems to be helping five-year-olds to write poetry, but it's also helping me with my fifth book, so... <laughs> That's a hell of a thing to do. Isn't it? We'll talk about your favourite poems in a, in a minute. I just wonder, what do you think of how poetry is taught at school? Because I was taught it, I think, fairly badly at school in that it was often just read out quite brusquely and then that was it, really. It never felt that anyone who ever taught me really cared very much about it. And there is this fear that it's something a bit high, high culture. You almost have to climb the mountain to get to the top to, to, to appreciate it. And I mean, maybe that's that's good in a way, but but in other ways, it, it can put you off, can't it? Yeah, it can put you off. But I think God, I got to say here, I hate criticizing teachers in any way because I feel like it must be a very hard job. But um, I feel like there was a gap. Like once I reached about twelve until I was about twenty, there seemed to be a gap in poetry. Like I went from the funny kids poem to sort of yeah, seeing it as something that was either too intelligent or too too sort of out of my depth. I guess like going into Museum of Modern Art or something. Yeah. I just felt like it wasn't I wasn't really allowed in in that space. But the one thing that put me off, I didn't really like poetry at school either. And at uni, um university I studied French and German, but I, I chose specifically not to do any of the poetry um syllabuses because I didn't th- I didn't think I liked it even though I was writing it, which is ridiculous. But I hated um, not knowing background to poems. Yeah. Like I remember we studied Seamus Heaney's poems um, in school and Digging was the one that was on yeah. the syllabus. And I remember <laughs> saying to my friend, for God's sake, why are we studying this? I don't care about potatoes, like digging, digging, who cares, who cares? Oh, yeah, I'm digging, digging. Like really, and I wasn't, you know, I worked hard at school and I really, <laughs> I really liked English. Um, but with the poetry, I felt really detached from it. And nobody told me, like, the background to Seamus Heaney, or maybe they did and I didn't listen, to be fair. Um, nobody told me the background of potatoes or the history of potatoes in Ireland or yeah. where he was from or, like, anything that he was talking about, really. I just read it and and with with no context, I guess. And maybe you can take that from it. And I know people say, you know, a poem should be able to stand on its own, but I really like knowing 
you know, when it's written, why it's written. I like all the context of stuff. And as soon as I started finding out about the authors and the poems, I started to enjoy it more. And actually, it ends, isn't it, that poem? It, it's something like, between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, yeah. I'll dig with it. And that, to me, always meant the idea that poetry is kind of earthy and real and uh, yeah. and you're doing something sort of that, that you can you can taste and smell and touch, which is which is often the whole point of this, isn't it? It, it speaks to you as something physical. Yeah, and helpful. I, I, I used to find that quite difficult when I started doing this full time. So I had a, a very practical job and um, studied economics before I went into work and thought I'd be doing stuff to do with economics and statistics really? and stuff. So I find when I started sort of full time doing poetry gigs, I found it a bit ridiculous, to be honest. Um, and because of thinking it was a really impractical yeah. thing. Um, but actually, I don't think that anymore. And I guess books like this one show that. And whenever they talk about, you know, the art subjects not not being as helpful at school, seeing the effect of writing on people, I think that's just not true. I think it's because my, my, my family is a family of um, teachers and, and nurses and plumbers and then a couple of sort of business people. So it's quite a practical, yeah. <laughs> practical yeah. family. Um, there was a thing as well about sort of, about the writing and studying poetry, I'm going to say Simon Armitage again, but I was listening, he did loads of um, lectures as part of being the Oxford Oxford University, um, his position there. Yeah. And um, I thought it was really interesting what he said, that he was really kind of, I don't know if it was angry, that's probably putting words into his mouth, but about the fact that they held literature up so highly at the university that they didn't do a creative writing course. Yeah. As if studying somebody else's writing is a very good and intelligent and academic thing to do but then the idea of writing apparently wasn't and I've seen that they've just started a master's in creative writing there and I don't know if that's because of because of him but I thought that was quite interesting the way we view like a literature um degree compared to a creative writing degree yeah and how they're they're not often combined really no they're they're not at all are they and excited English at uni and, yeah, and actually, I loved it at uni uh, in a way that I didn't at school because it was often just me sitting and reading a book and then thinking about it. Yeah, me uh, too. And I quite like that. And I also think about I like poetry. There's that. that uh, I think it's Coleridge said about it's the best words in the best order. Uh, and the thing about <laughs> about poetry that you, you kind of because someone's taken with a novel, there's always be bits where they're slightly writing on autopilot or they're doing something mechanical with the plot. But with a poem, you kind of know that the person has sat down and thought about every word because yeah. because they've had to if there's a rhythm or a rhyme or any form of shaping which will exist even in sort of free verse, they've had to think about it. So you thinking about it feels like you're paying them the compliment that they've paid you. Uh, and that's quite a nice thing, isn't it, to, to think why 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 you, Holly, pick that particular word or phrase because you've wrestled with that as well. That's a lovely way to think about it as well. It's sort of like honouring somebody, thinking about why they put that, even commas and breath and space and all that sort of stuff. There's so much to think about yeah. in um, writing. I'm sure people do think about it as, as much sometimes in prose. There are certain books um, that I've read that it's like a massive... I don't know, prose poem, I really couldn't explain what that is, but right. <laughs> I, hear it used, I hear it used more and more. And I guess, yeah, not everybody that wants to study poetry will want to, will want to then write it, and same with, with any form of writing, really. I guess I just find it strange how that the hierarchy of it often yeah. puts creative writing quite far down 
and literature quite far up. Yes, that's such a that's such a good point. You mentioned the poems that Kate Clancy talks about in uh, in that book. Uh, what sort of poems and poets speak to you now that in that book or elsewhere where you think that, that that's someone who means something to me? There are so, you know there are so many honestly, and there are so many for different reasons. I tend to to start if if I'm having a day where I have to edit my own poetry, I tend to read poets who I don't like to use the word like better although it is sort of what I mean but I don't 100% know what that means anymore because <laughs> poetry is so sort of subjective um but I really like poets like Rebecca Perry yeah so she's written a book called Beauty and I read a lot of Helen Moore, Claire Pollard um and then poets like Vanessa Casule who I've toured with a lot um but also, I, I get really annoyed with, <laughs> there seems to be an article in the newspapers every sort of, I don't know, three years or so to say, oh, there's a new form of poetry, you know, spoken words, a new poetry, or slam poets, yeah, a new poetry, yeah. and as if there's this big debate. Um, and it often talks about, you know, dead white men. Thank God poetry's not dead white men anymore, which it really aggravates me because obviously a lot of those dead white men are amazing and they're what a lot of the so-called spoken word poets are reading as well. So Seamus Heaney... I've been reading a lot of maybe guilt from not liking him at school (laughs) but (laughs) I think he's one of my favorites at the moment and I'm a little bit obsessed with how good he makes the letter U sound go on what do you mean by that that's that's fascinating go on (laughs) just (laughs) I just love I I stayed in a hotel when I I did a gig in Bellachy so I stayed in a hotel which is dedicated to Seamus Heaney it was a small B&B and his poems were all over the the B&B and all over the room and then I did a gig at the Seamus Heaney Centre so I think that's probably why I got quite submerged in Seamus Heaney but he's just got this really guttural use of the word you and I guess he talks about (laughs) mud a lot and bogs and sludge and this sort of thing and I I just every time I read one of his poems it seems to just be full of this like muddy use and I think he just makes it sound amazing so I'll read different poets poets for different things basically here Lindsay Bird's another one um a New Zealand poet who's brilliant at metaphors she says that she's just obsessed with metaphors so she's sort of taken that from another poet that she's got inspired by um so if I'm ever thinking of making my work a bit more abstract or if I want to work on my metaphors not being so cliche or anything like that then I'll then I'll read her so I guess I'd go to different people different people for different things and if I don't know then I just go to an anthology and have a little flick through that's that I, I think that's that's a great way of thinking about it so I, I for this book I wrote I spent a month reading just poetry for 50 minutes a day oh and, lovely and I was thinking that I'd not really read much poetry or that much poetry since I left university yeah uh, and it's a very different way of reading and it's a really healthful thing to do I thought because I read quite quickly and because I read a lot of novels and I love plot and I, I I feel that I'm constantly sort of hungrily looking for the next page rather than focusing on the page I'm reading when I read a novel. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is great. And it's not a criticism. I, I think that's a lovely thing to do. You know, when you're sort of so lost in a novel, you're just flying through it. And yeah. that feels, it's a magnificent feeling. But with, a, with poetry, and this is true of really all sorts of, of poetry, but I, I felt it a bit with Blake when I read Blake. Uh, really for the first time, I think, ever properly, uh, for a a week. And he writes very short poems, often very simple-sounding poems, with monosyllables, uh, words like joy in it, that at one level feel simple. And you could, if you were just reading for speed, you could read, you know, you could read 100 of them. 
uh, really, yeah. really quickly. But that discipline, maybe discipline is the wrong word because it makes it sound like it's hard. But that feeling where you have to slow yourself down and maybe spend 20 minutes reading a poem that's only 20 lines. Yeah. That's very different. That's very different for how the whole world is working. The world's very quick now, isn't it? And we're scrolling. Scrolling is how we do things. And doing something where you have to pause over a poem. It's sort of slow. That's sort of the way that poetry slows you down in a good yeah, way. Yeah, that's really true, isn't it? I think it's a bit more like a cross between reading a book and looking at a picture. Yeah. I think with poetry, because it's also, yeah, obviously framed on the page, depending on how the poet wants it to look or how it works on the page. There's that, which you don't often, like there's some, like Irvin Welsh has some sort of um, parts of his books where it's really sort of incoherently scattered across the page or it's put into patterns on the page and stuff. Um, but it's not that many novels that do it, I don't think, but poetry does. So, yeah, I, I feel like that. I feel like... It slows you down. I often stumble over poetry as well. I admit that even after reading a lot and writing, I still often don't understand a poem the first time I read it or the second yeah. time maybe or the third. So just to have to to keep reading, yeah, I think I think it's a bit like looking at a a picture in a gallery sometimes and trying to work out what what you're getting from it. Uh, and what's what's weird, Holly, is I feel because I did English at uni and I went to school, I feel confident to sit with a poem. And so I read the sonnets for the first time last year, Shakespeare's sonnets, and I'd never oh, read, yeah. them. I read them all in a row. And some of them are wow. very, some of them are very difficult. Uh, and actually, some of them, even if you spend, you know, a day looking at them, they're, they're, the meanings have been lost slightly. There's a couple where even the editors of it don't really know what the, the sense is. Uh, and but that's okay, isn't it? I I, I think to to struggle uh, with yeah. a, with a poem to to, to try and uh, give it some weight because again, if someone's paid attention to to writing it in that way, it's it's it maybe it's respectful to think of it that way. Well, I think so, and also there's that sort of um, I think people are <laughs> sometimes like scared not to like a poem in yeah. a, in a way that we're not really scared not to like a book. Like if I read a bit of a book and think oh, I'm not really into this story, but for years if I read a poem and didn't didn't like it or didn't get anything from it um or or however you know you want to see it I'd sort of just and I know a lot of other people do it's quite common isn't it talked about with poetry but you immediately just feel like you're probably just too stupid to understand it and I think that's the same with art you feel like that or you'll look at a poem and think it's really simple or there's there's the sort of other extreme that oh you know I could have written that I get I get that quite a lot I feel I could have written that and it's like yeah yeah, you could I'm I'm definitely yeah but you didn't (laughs) remember my friend saying that to me when she like dragged me to the take because I was not not very uh, art gallery goer and um and I was doing exactly that being the sort of annoying like oh what is that it's just a patch of red I could have done that she's like but you didn't Holly but you didn't that's the thing (laughs) but but here's the thing Holly because we because at school we we do do English and at university with a poem if I don't understand it maybe it's me maybe it's the poem but it doesn't make me feel bewildered but I'm a bit like you is that no one ever taught me how to appreciate ballet or to understand opera or to understand pictures really so I found like you'll say I found that is a gallery the right place for me? Because I, you know, I haven't been going to galleries all my life. I grew up in the Midlands, in Loughborough. Yeah. There wasn't a gallery in Loughborough. I went to London twice before I was 18. Yeah. Um, so none of those things. So I'd never, in the same way that I'd never been to an opera uh, until I was in my 20s. I'd never seen a ballet until I was in my 20s. Yeah. When do you learn this stuff? Because at some point you do, it's why this Kate Clanchy book such a good one. 
at some point you do need someone to talk you through the building blocks don't yeah you? you do and also I've I've seen quite a few things on well on social media I know people always sort of talk <laughs> about that with poetry especially it's like as soon as somebody puts a poem on YouTube they're a YouTube poet now instead of just a poet as soon as it's on Instagram yeah. they're an insta poet and there's all these sort of different labels that we love to put as if it sort of represents the art form just because it's been shared in a place other than a library or a book or or a gallery like you say and I've the thing that I <laughs> I love about this book is that I've seen quite a lot of um like book vloggers basically there's a lot of young people obviously doing all sorts of YouTube videos and and TikToks and stuff like that but there's a real rise in people doing like book reviews younger people doing book reviews um on these vlogs and I've seen a lot of them holding up this book and talking about it and using it to help their followers or fans or whatever you'd call them get into writing yeah um so it's obviously not uh in any way sort of scary you know it's obviously welcoming lots of people that might not otherwise right and I love that I love yeah like you say going to a gallery I didn't go to art galleries and I certainly didn't go to poetry readings or poetry cafes and and even when I was in my 20s and wanted to maybe read a poem out still took me like a year to even walk into the poetry cafe in London I walked past it about five times and never went in um so for all the sort of criticism that social media gets I actually think it's quite amazing that there are different, more more democratic. And I think people forget how scary these sort of arts places are if you're not brought up with them or if you're not brought up in a city even or, or in a city and you don't go past them. I'm the, I was brought up in a like, village outside Reading. Yeah, didn't go to, didn't, I went to the theatre at Christmas, I think, each year. And in and, and a funny way, I've, I've, I don't love the theatre. So I, I've read all of Shakespeare and I love reading Shakespeare because I can read. But I don't love the yeah. theatre because it wasn't part really so much of my my formative years. I, I, I you know, I respect yeah. it, and you know, whenever I go, very often you think, what a you know, you admire the people, either the writers or the performers. But I'm never sure that it speaks to me the way that reading speaks to me because reading is the thing that I did from when I was very young by myself, and yeah. that was the thing that that introduced me to the world really. That's really interesting about Shakespeare because I was thinking, I wonder if any, <laughs> I was thinking before this, I wonder if people talk about poetry, obviously reading poetry or, or speaking it and this is spoken word and this is page poetry as if there's like a massive, massive, you know, sort of black and white um, separation between the two. And I, I was thinking, I wonder if anybody, I wonder if Shakespeare would have been really well read if the stuff hadn't been put on the stage I wonder if there's anybody that prefers reading Shakespeare so watching this plays and maybe I found somebody yes yeah, definitely <laughs> me and I, I don't think proper Shakespearean people like that but um but I find the, the plays really are extended poems so it, it's not often it's not that much of a difference to reading any poetry and also I've got to say the plays then like I am um, I've been doing a um version of Antigone Oh, right, amazing, yeah. And it was meant to be on last year, but it's obviously everything's been moved back. For, but for Storyhouse in Chester, which is like one of my favourite, favourite venues, it's a theatre and cinema and um, and library in one. So it's built in order to try to break those boundaries between the people that would go to the theatre, but not the library, or the people that go to library, but not the theatre, to try and make these spaces less intimidating. It's an amazing building. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've, I was rewriting rewriting sort of translating Antigone 
But I was reading about what theatre was like back then and also in Shakespearean times. And I, I'm similar. I, I, I haven't been to the theatre that much. And every time I do, I'm not 100% sure I've ever really enjoyed it, apart from maybe the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, <laughs> but then I was reading about, you know, Shakespearean theatres and that it was just, it was like a, well, not many women in the audience, but it was like a sort of, full-on heckling yeah. you know food throwing it was like sex work at them it was like a, I guess like the equivalent of like a rowdy football match yeah, kind or, of thing or comedy club um, maybe maybe or comedy rowdy. club yeah and you know lots of absinthe going around and stuff so I don't I don't think that we've quite copied the atmosphere of theatres and in Greek times it was the same, you know, they had people coming on doing comedy before all the tragedies came on, sort of yeah. like a, a stand-up thing, and it was a big competition. And you'd so um, yeah, I've been trying to see if the theatre will let me have people in the audience like throwing tomatoes at the stage and stuff. So oh, that's that, good. That... <laughs> I think so. Oh, that's very good. Um, I, I, we haven't got much time because we've been talking about so many things, Holly. But I want to mention the poet. I I, I suppose I, so. I read over the course of a month, and uh, I ended up reading quite a lot of Emily Dickinson. Oh, amazing! Uh, who uh, I did it uni, not school, briefly, and then I read her again. And again, this notion of she writes often very short poetry and it's very dense in the sense of every word is, is loaded. She had a definition of poetry. I'm going to read it to you, Holly, because I kind of see what she, she means here. But I say in the book, because I'm not a poet, I wonder whether I can ever fully understand this. But you are a poet, so see if you fully understand this. Um, if it makes my whole body so cold, no fire can ever warm me, I know that is poetry. If I feel as if the top of my head has been physically taken off, I know that is poetry. What do you reckon? Lovely, but I also think it can be other things. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that if you're even if you're not a poet, I'm not even sure what you are a poet means really. That you can define it any, any way you want, but that's pretty amazing, isn't yeah. it? It's amazing. I just love the fact that she's this this uh, woman writing in 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 Amherst, and she's mischaracterized a bit by history as this sort of very eccentric person who is yeah. completely private. But you know, she sent five hundred of her poems to different people, and she knew what she was writing was brilliant. And she had this relationship uh, correspondence with a guy called Wentworth Higginson, who eventually ended up publishing all her stuff. Um, and she 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 knew it. She kind of knew how great I think she was, but she didn't necessarily want all of all of the trappings of it. But I found um, reading her reading her stuff made me think so much because we talked about rhyme early on, and, and we talked about some children's rhyme and, and Byron. Her half rhyme, she calls it slant rhyme, where a word almost rhymes but doesn't. Yeah, that's the thing I love most about her. So you said it as well, where we sort of you suddenly come up short. And uh, that's what I think she does brilliantly. Throughout her poetry, there's almost an easy rhyme, and then she just doesn't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And nice. I, I find that. So there's a little tiny bit. Um, the world is not conclusion, a sequel stands beyond, invisible as music, but positive as sound. And you kind of, beyond and sound are supposed to rhyme, but they don't. And it's a poem about things not ending, things not concluding, like a rhyme concludes. Yeah. And, and she's just not rhymed it knowing that. And that's fairly understated, but it's there. And uh, you expect Beyond to give you something and it comes back as sound. And it's because she knows so much about sound, she can play with that. I, I, I just thought, well, every time I just read a, a short little poem, you kind of think it's just there's a sort of weight behind it that's, that's almost invisible. You can't really point to it. Yes. There's a sort of heft there. 
especially with that word sound. I feel like it's a bit like with guitar chords. Yeah. Like when you start off learning guitar chords, they tell you to finish every piece with the chord that you started on, and that means that the song's finished. Yeah. And then once you carry on learning more, I'm saying this, I only know two chords. I'm basically learning it, trying to teach my daughter because it's too expensive <laughs> to get a music teacher. Are you learning guitar now? <laughs> I'm trying to just, oh, I'm maybe. basically teaching her because I can read music, but I've no, I don't know the guitar. So and now I've learned to, but I've read in the thing that said, you know, to finish the song, you have to end on the, end on the uh, chord that you started on. <laughs> I know G and D7. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, they, they sound good together. See, I, I can, <laughs> they do. They're fine, aren't they? <laughs> I can play guitar, but I can't read music. So I'm trying to oh. teach my son, uh, although he learns at school. So he learns the music at school but i i learned guitar all off tablature so it's the numbers of the frets rather than the notes oh, so i'm the opposite together we'd maybe make a really good guitar teacher yeah exactly we'd, we, we, <laughs> we, we, I, I i look at sort of the dots of music on, on proper music and i find it again i kind of find it amazing that someone can read that and play it i think it's you know, yeah isn't it funny how, and i think this is this is the thing that poetry teaches the, 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 the amazing mysteries around the place it's how someone writes a poem or reads music or writes a play or is a playwright or goes and performs poetry i think that's one of the great things to 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 think well maybe i couldn't do that but it's so intriguing to talk to and read people who can do it yeah and i think you could as well you reckon well i'll tell you what i'll do holly i'll send you my (laughs) i'll send you my sonnet that i wrote for that pub in north london yeah do it good and i'll send you my response which is like i don't really know how to uh, judge a poem but i'd love to read this yeah Oh, yeah, exactly. Don't give me a mark out of 10. <laughs> Do not give me a mark out of 10. I won't, I won't. Uh, there's just one other phrase I want to say about Emily Dickinson. Her dad used to buy her books to occupy her, uh, but he was a bit worried about it. He said, I don't want to, I'm buying her books, but maybe I shouldn't because I worry that it joggles her mind. <laughs> That's a great word. I think I might try and put it in the next book. That's good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read your book and I hope to see the word joggle there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, Holly, what a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this. It's so lovely to speak to you. That's right. It was lovely. Thanks a lot.